Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener. You'll have ad-free episodes and join us on our monthly Zoom calls with other podcast listeners and get to know the community at wearelatech.love, linked in the show notes. It's sort of a catch-22, right? They said, in order to survive, we got to have the 20%. But in order to get the 20%, we can't show the identity of the people. So now you've got this kind of like these these marketplaces. Like, I would never hire Ira H on a marketplace just because of your good looks. I mean, your beard is very, very good looking, Ira. I'm Alex Bloomberg, host of the podcast Startup, and you're listening to We Are LA Tech. On this episode of We Are LA Tech, it's another Crypto Friday, and we've got Fred Krueger and Corey Larson joining us in the studio to tell us about their new blockchain project, WorkCoin. I'm your crypto host, Ira Herman, CTO of CoinBot at coinbot.co, and this is We Are LA Tech. All right, let's get started. Let's dive right in. Uh, Fred and Corey, welcome to the studio. Go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourselves and what you're working on. All right. Uh, thanks, Ira. Uh well, Fred here, I am uh, I'm an entrepreneur, serial entrepreneur, and I've been uh, working with Corey on this uh, WorkCoin idea and project for about six months now. So that, and the, the idea of WorkCoin is a cryptocurrency and an ecosystem for freelance work. And uh, basically, if you look at freelancing, it's an enormous part of the U.S. economy. 40% of us freelance, that number is going to go to 50% within... Uh, 10 years. And so we're rapidly moving into a world where there's more freelancers than people have full-time jobs. And for that world, there really isn't a great solution for most of us. Uh, you know, some of us who do very cheap logo design or apps building very, very uh, rudimentary can find, can find stuff on Upwork or Fiverr. But for the most part, the knowledge economy and the U S knowledge economy, there really isn't a great platform for, for most skills. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons for that we can get into in a second, but we're building that definitive platform that allows the freelancer a complete identity and keeps the fees really, really low. So we're talking about 5% fees with no credit card fees, and that's uh, all due to crypto. Very, very cool. Sound, sounds like there's a lot there to, to chat about and kind of unpack. Uh, sounds like there's a lot of need for it. Before we dive into that, uh, Fred, what's your role in the company? So I'm the CEO. All right, great. And Corey? So I am the uh, chief product officer. Basically, I design the product and make sure the user experience is good. Okay, great. Uh, and so thank you. Yeah, thank you for joining us today. Um, Corey, is there is there anything else? Uh, Fred gave us kind of an intro description of what problem you guys are solving and the landscape of the freelancer economy right now. Uh, anything else that you wanted to add to that? I mean, notes? we've all, I mean, per, me personally, I, I, when I first got out of college, I was a freelancer, I was a designer. So I, I mean, I've been in the freelance world for, world for like two or three, four years before I joined the startup community. And then w once we started this project, it like really resonated with me because I, I had these, this pain of like dealing with clients and like dealing, you know, with the money and stuff like that. So I really think that this is going to like change the way like freelancers work. So. So that's really interesting, the pain of dealing with clients and money. And, and I've done freelancing in the past as well. Uh, and, and I remember there were certain challenges there, like, uh, 
you know, having to, instead of just being able to do the work, I had to run every other aspect of the company, the, the bookkeeping. I had to send invoices. I had to follow up and make sure people actually paid me for the work, keep track of all of that. Uh, where, where can WorkCoin help with those type of things? Well, I think what happens is WorkCoin is like basically taking this to like a one mainstream thing. So basically when you when you're in WorkCoin, basically we, we put you in a chat, we allow you guys to collaborate, work together. And then what we do is we, once, you know, both parties are happy, we give them a safe place to work together. And then, you know, if there's any kind of disputes or kind of any kind of like disagreements, we have independent arbitrators that will come in and deal with that. So like, basically you're not dealing with the hassle of having to, you know, work with that. So I'd like to add, uh, you know, if, if you're freelancing in general, there's sort of two possible ways of going, right? So from the seller's point of view, they're like, pay me up front, right? They're like, just uh, right. pay me a retainer. That's great. Uh, here, here's, well, I start at 3000, send me a wire of 3000 before I even do anything. And, you know, not surprisingly, most buyers are like, whoa, whoa, uh, I don't know who you really are. I'm not going to uh, wire you some money. And the last thing I'm going to do is right. pay you some Bitcoin, right? That yeah, you can just requires just a certain level of trust. So like big law firms can ask for a retainer because you know that they're established. They're, they're going to follow but through. Not your average developer that might be in a different state or even in a different country, right? So, you know, that's the big problem. So. The retainer stuff doesn't necessarily work for the buyer. On the other hand, the, oh, I'll invoice you and wait 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, or never to collect. I'm sure both of you guys have had some some issues where you've done the work and you never collected on yeah, it. Yeah, deadbeat clients. Well, it's also, too, it's like, I, it's like you start the project and you get halfway through it and you're, you know, you're like, all right, this is what I got. And they're like, never mind. Never mind. We're good. And just, you just wasted your time and you've put all this, this time into it. It's like so frustrating. So basically our solution is, is basically a solution where you come in, the buyer sees the service, the service is described exactly in a sort of a fixed price. Like I will do this job for this price, a thousand dollars. And they're going to put a thousand dollars effectively into escrow. And what that means is the buyer now, the seller now knows that the buyer has the money and they know that, you know, there's a process for where that money gets released from escrow. And once it's released from ESCO, they can get it immediately. So they don't even have to wait two weeks. They can just get paid immediately. Um, and, and that's right. kind of novel. So the so not only does the does the service provider know that the the client, the the customer has the money, but also that client or customer has to spend the money. They they have to pay it, but it's getting held uh, in in that third party in in the workcoin escrow. Correct. And there's very, very little friction, right? Because so in the normal world of credit cards, right, you have every time you do a credit card transaction, that's three and a half percent. So the th problem with the marketplace is that's twice that, right? Because you're not just paying the seller three and a half percent, you're paying the marketplace three and a half percent. And then afterwards, the marketplace is paying the seller the three and a half percent. So that right off the bat, there's seven percent of fees right off the bat. So, yeah, there's there's two sides, two there's sides, a, a to deposit it. and and a withdrawal I exactly guess say, well they're, they're from the credit card's perspective it's payment. two separate transactions payment in and a payment out yeah. exactly so you know and now contrast that with um with crypto now just the other day i transferred several thousand dollars worth of ethereum uh to another party and my transaction fee my gas fee was 35 cents so oh wow yeah, so you know like two thousand dollars 35 cents that's not three percent you know three percent would have been $30. Is that right? Yeah. $30. Yeah. Or, or more. 
is several thousand dollars. Wow, it'd, so it'd be a hundred bucks in so, fees. So yeah, thirty five cents to to transfer using Ethereum. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. And how long does that transaction take? It took me thirty seconds. Yeah. So <laughs> again, like if you look at it versus a bank wire or something like that, uh, and even credit cards, you're never a hundred percent sure, right? Because that's the other problem. So. I could transfer money to you and you could think, oh, great, I'm good. I got the money. Guess what? What you got is a stolen credit card, okay? Or you got a, car, a credit card that's no longer valid or, or, or maybe it was a valid credit card, but the buyer decided to call Visa afterwards and say, you know what? I, I've just been dealing with this Corey Larson guy and he's a fraud and I want my money back. And Visa will give you your money back, right? So it's not really money. <laughs> getting a credit card thing is not the same as getting money. Yeah, and and disclaimer: Corey is not a fraud. He's <laughs> not that I know. But it's a, a little joke here in the in the studio, just, right? Um, but so yeah, that that makes sense. We've had that happen. Uh, I I've had my fair share uh, running e-commerce companies and having customers come through and pay with credit cards that are stolen. And the crazy thing that happens is when that credit card is stolen, then uh, not only as the vendor. Uh, do we not receive the money? Like it seems like we receive it, and then later it's reported stolen, and then later there's there's what's called a chargeback. Um, so not only does that money come back out of our account, but they also charge an extra fee on top of that for these chargebacks. Uh, it, that could happen if the card was stolen, or that could happen if someone just changed their mind later and called American Express or whoever the credit card company is and said, you know what, this wasn't an authorized transaction, even if it was. And then the credit card company will treat it as fraud and do that chargeback, reverse the, the payment out, uh, penalize the vendor. And so there's... They can even shut down the vendor, right? So If you get too many, yeah. My, that's the problem. I mean, literally... You could be attacked by a hacker group with a bunch of dark web credit cards. They can use you. You've got now, you're suffering these chargebacks. And then arbitrarily, the credit cards company says, you, we are now uh, shutting down your merchant account. And that's happened to me in the past. And literally, oh, wow. not only I could not use that merchant account, but they actually uh, froze the bank account that was associated with that merchant account. And I had like $300,000 in that bank account. We couldn't touch it for two months until they sorted it out. And it was just literally the situation you're talking about. So it's just a terrible, you know, credit cards are not a great way to run marketplaces. I mean, you would think that it would be a good way, but it's just not a great way. Yeah. And even, even something like, you know, Stripe, which is sort of you know, trying to get in the middle and facilitate things. It's sort of easy to do, but you still have the exact same problems. Yeah, you still, if the, if the card was stolen or... The uh, the customer who pays for the work decides they want to report it to their card as if it was stolen or they didn't authorize the charge. Uh, then, yeah, it, it puts not only the marketplace in a bad spot because the marketplace is paying, uh, getting that charge back, losing the money, paying extra fees, getting penalized and potentially shut down on that processor. But then the service provider who did the work doesn't get paid either. So you have kind of a weird situation where we've got more impact even than a traditional site. And so, yeah, it does sound like cryptocurrency is an ideal solution for this because in crypto, uh, there are no chargebacks. And like you said, the fees are 35 cents, uh, the latest fee that you paid to do some ether transfer. 
So are there any other uh, marketplaces out there right now or, or what, what kind of fees besides just the credit cards and the potential issues there? Uh, how, how are they doing it and what are the, the pitfalls? So the solution, what, what all the other marketplaces are doing is they're sort of saying, okay, well, we're going to charge, we have all these fees, right? We have these credit card fees. And we're going to say the seller's got to pay all those fees or we split the fees between the buyer and the seller, the 7%. And then they say on top of it, we're going to charge a marketplace fee that's going to be like 20%, which is going to cover our chargeback problem, uh, issues. So, And then on top of that, we're going to withhold money for two weeks to sellers. So just to make sure they didn't, they're not in cahoots with the buyers and getting fraudulent transactions. So they're doing all these wow. things. And the problem with that and the problem, and then the biggest problem is they're saying, and we're not going to allow the buyers to talk directly to the sellers. So they're hiding they the identities of the sellers. Yeah. And just because they want their 20% they, transaction yeah, so fee. It's, right? sort of a, it's sort of a catch-22, right? They said, in order to survive, we got to have the 20%. But in order to get the 20% and to, to do it, we can't show the identity of the people. So now you've got this kind of like these, these marketplaces like I would never hire Ira H on a marketplace just because of your good looks, you know, <laughs> I mean, your beard is very, very good looking Ira, but like thank, thank you know, that, you. that, that doesn't help that. me. That doesn't help me as far as like your programming qualifications. Right. So really what I want to see is I want to see your references, like actual people. I may actually want to call contact them and call them. Uh, B I want to look at your GitHub, right? Because I may want to look at your actual code before hiring you to write my code. Be a know? good good thing to check out. Yeah, it'd be a developer. good thing to check out. And, you know, see, I'd like to see, like, you know, your website. Like, you know, I'd like to see projects that you've worked on, links, all these things. And same, if I'm hiring Corey, I want to see his portfolio, right? Like, what's a designer without an actual portfolio? I want to see, you know, websites that he's built. I want to see logos that he's developed. I want to see his, you know, official Dribble uh, account or his Behance account. So, you know, I need his identity. I'm not going to hire these people blind. It's just, it makes no sense. And the reason why, like, I think one of the things with hiding the identity is when you do that, you're basically doing bottom of the barrel. Like nobody who's like, I would never be on Fiverr or something like that because I don't want to be, because like, it's just too much. There's too many people fighting for that. Like I'm, I'm the better one. Here's my, but you can't show them how you're better because they're hiding all of it. Like there's no, yeah, I mean, if the, if the, if the, if the end goal is design a logo, right? And you're not showing even logos that you have designed. The only differentiator of people is price and number of reviews. And, and those right. two are highly correlated because if you do it the cheapest, you're going to get the most reviews. So it's kind of a race to the bottom. And that's what you're seeing on these sites is just, you know, people who say, you know, I, I will get you 10,000 Twitter followers for $5. I mean, you see stuff like that on Fiverr. Right. Well, li literally Fiverr is the whole idea is it's $5. Right. For this and service, so, right? you know, it's sort of like, I so don't want 10,000 10, followers for $5 there. It's a hundred percent guaranteed to be false. Right. And people are outdoing each other. No, I'll offer you a hundred thousand for $5, you know? Yeah. So again, it's this race to the bottom, which is, I think is, is, you know, it's, it's not very interesting. If you're really interested in Twitter, you want somebody to help you do your Twitter strategy and to get real users and to, you know, get people who are engaged, right? So, you know, that's the kind of Twitter marketing that I would be interested in, not the, I would get you a 
100,000 followers for $5. So, you, so you'd be willing to pay more than $5 for legitimate followers, uh, someone who's actually going and doing outreach and building up a commu- an actual community instead might, of just I might be willing to pay $5 followers. for one follower if it was the right follower, right? Right. I mean, you know, so it, it, it all depends on quality, right? You know, not, 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 I think we're living in this power law distribution of talent, right? So we see this with programmers a lot. You know, they say the, a really great programmer is not 2x as good as a sort of average program. It's 10x or 20x, you know? A really great designer is is much more than just a little bit better than a, a, a mediocre designer. It's a, a whole lot better, and it can totally change your company. And I think, you know, Steve Jobs understood that, right? Because he sort of said, I want the absolute best designer in the world to design the iMac, you know? Right. And that that was like, you know, I think the, the whole Fiverr thing is like commoditizing work, which is, I mean, I think that it's very almost uninteresting. You know, the commodity, the Amazon Turk, the Fiverr type stuff, it's, it's not interesting. I think we're living in a world of very specialized skills. And, you know, there's there's all kinds of people who have various skills. And if we can really pinpoint those skills down to, I want somebody to, you know, for example, um, edit my script, you know, and somebody with, you know, Hollywood connections and who specializes in romantic comedies. Right. Right. So, so if so, I have so romantic, on a yeah. Fiverr or a discount type of marketplace uh, would probably be relatively new to it, building up their portfolio. You want someone who's already got the Hollywood connections. Right. I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want an expert. Right? right. So I think, you know, another way to, to sort of ask yourself is, you know, there's freelancers. Or, I mean, a guy who drives an Uber is a freelancer, right? Uh, a guy who True. rakes your leaves, you know, or mows your lawn is a freelancer typically. But, you know, there's all these knowledge workers as well, right? So there's programmers, but there's even things like an expert in sort of molecular biology or, you know, or an expert in economics. And they don't have to be old guys with, you know, who have 20 years of experience, it could be a graduate student in molecular biology or a graduate student in economics. And how great would it be to be able to kind of get those people and hire them by the hour or by the job? That makes sense. So do you see that as an issue that there, Uber is a marketplace for drivers and then you've got dog walking services, cat sitting services, leaf raking, house cleaning, all as separate, separate services. Then you've got like Upwork for uh, technical development stuff. You've got Fiverr for some tech and video well, and yeah. So I, I think I think the real question is: Look, do we ha- how many do we have a search engine for dog walkers? No, we have one search engine. It's called Google. You know, right. so you know I think there might be some others, but you Google's know, definitely you know, the dominant one. <laughs> look, a lot of VCs in particular, they always want you to get this the low, you know, the most narrow niche possible, right? So, you know, I always joke that you know if if you develop Dropbox and some VC saw it initially, they'd be like, can't you make this only for dentists, you know, <laughs> or, or maybe only a certain right. type of dentists. Target you know? specific verticals. <laughs> you know, but reality is Dropbox is Dropbox, you know, and it's sort of like there's also power of things coming together, right? Because, you know, every single, it's really about the audience, right? So I'm, I am a person, but I don't, I don't really want just one kind of service, right? I want many services. You know, I want to hire an, an engineer. I may want to hire a lawyer. I may want to hire an editor. I may want to hire a designer. So 
I don't want to have to go to 20 different apps with 20 different logins and 20 different user interfaces just to hire the lawyer, the designer, the project manager, all these things I need. I want to go one place. I want to be able to have one user interface and that, that should tell me, okay, you're a startup guy. You know, you're a startup guy. What do you need? Well, you need all those things and you, you know, probably need a tax accountant. You know, you probably need all these things. You should be able to search tax accountant, crypto accountant, you know, right. white paper reviewer. Uh, and there should be results. Well, that, that makes a lot of sense. Let's, let's zoom, zoom out a little bit and see, uh, first of all, where are you guys based? Where's the office at? Santa Monica. Great. And, uh, What's the size of the team? So we have about nine people working together. We have two separate teams, one here in uh, Santa Monica, and then we have another in our mobile team is in uh, North Carolina. Great. Cool. So uh, what, uh, why LA? Why, why do you guys have an office here? So that's kind of a historical thing. I, can't, I moved down from the Bay Area in 1999, and uh, I just love the weather, and I love the... Uh, the idea of starting a tech company in LA was very original at the time. Nobody was, very few people were doing it. And when did you uh, say in 1999? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it was, it was, there was very little uh, tech here in LA. So, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled at the kind of the tech, the tech is kind of growing in LA and I've seen it kind of grow under my watch kind of. And, you know, a lot of people who've worked for me have now started companies and built companies and so on. So I've seen the ecosystem grow and, and, and to be part of it is great. Cool. So come come to LA for the weather and stay for the tech. Stay for the tech. I mean, look, it's it's actually. I would sort of say right now, it's it's. There's almost no better place to be in tech because, you know, if you're running a tech company, do you really want to have sky high real estate costs? No. Do you want you want your employees to not be able to live on a hundred thousand dollars a year, which which you cannot live in San Francisco on a hundred thousand dollars a year. I mean. You're living almost like a homeless person. It's insane. You know, so, you know, it's, uh, you know, the, the, the reality is the, the quality of life is much better, but you're in a very big, you know, you're in the second largest city in America and you've got the best weather and now you have a lot of tech happening here. So, you know, it's, it's a pretty great place to be in tech. Great. And, and what, what is your background? I'll ask each of you guys. Uh, so, Corey, first, what, what's kind of your background before WorkCoin? What kind of stuff have you worked on? So, when I came out here, I actually, Fred actually hired me when I came out here about five years ago. We were working on a couple other projects, work for Mice Machines, and then a couple, a couple other startups under him and some other people. And then basically, you know, I've been sticking with him from project as we go. All right, great. Very cool. And then Fred, what, what else? So have you I have, done, I, I've been a lot in the ad tech, uh, industry, uh, kind of, I, I started four companies in ad tech and, uh, and also in domain names. So a, a wide variety of stuff. Um, you know, pretty opportunistic depending on the time. And, uh, cool. you know, I just sort of saw crypto kind of emerging and we, we found an angle uh, to get, to get on the train, so to speak. And so we're really excited about crypto right now. And speaking of that, there, there's there been a lot of, of ICOs happening where uh, people haven't had the technology running yet. It's based on the white paper. It's the talk about their roadmap and what they're going to do. Uh, what I thought was novel is, is how you guys are doing it. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about where you're at on the roadmap and, and what the future holds? Okay, so we we started a little bit differently because we... We sort of built a, we built our MVP, as I say, uh, on web and mobile. 
um, first. And we weren't uh, even 100% sure we were going to even do an ICO. We we figured that the need for this freelance marketplace was was critical, whether we did an ICO or not. Uh, we felt like this, this was critical to do with crypto. And we really kind of uh, decided to move ahead with the ICO only about 90 days ago. And so... Uh, Fascinating. You know, so so in terms of the product, we've we built a product. We haven't released it yet on mobile. Uh, we have a few more, I would say, significant tweaks that we want to do to the to the product, and um, and some of them involve probably waiting for this EOS blockchain uh, because we interesting we we think that while it might be doable, what we're talking about doing on Ethereum. Uh, gas prices may be a little high right now on it. And so the pricing model of the smart contracts on Ethereum may prohibit us from doing exactly what we want to do. So so just to, to kind of address some of those some of those terms, uh, EOS and gas pricing, uh, which we'll come to those in, in just a minute. I thought it is interesting. You guys actually built the product first. You have the beta up and running. Uh, or the the minimum viable product, the MVP up and running, and uh, and then you decide to do the ICO after that, which which is novel. That's that's a cool yeah. way to do it, where people know that it's actually you guys have a legit team, you have a legit product, you can you can pull off what you're putting out there. Uh, some other terms, just uh, in case you guys at home don't know what EOS or GAS are. Uh, EOS EOS is another type of blockchain. It is under development right now. It hasn't been finalized yet, but the goal of it, uh, Dan Larimer, Larimer is the CTO. Um, there's some other strong people in the crypto space behind it. Uh, they're making very quick progress. The idea is Ethereum has some problems right now with scaling, and uh, and EOS is designed to be kind of the next generation uh, where it ta- it does all the things Ethereum does, uh, but then it can scale better and go beyond it and add all these other features to be a full blockchain operating system. Uh, and when we talk about gas, that's basically like the transaction fees on the Ethereum network. It works more based on the computational power required, uh, but it's what you pay to run a transaction on the Ethereum network. I wanted to ask you guys, in the LA tech scene, uh, and or the blockchain space in general, are there any companies or people that are uh, inspiring to you or you think it's really cool what they're working on? So I would say yes, absolutely. Uh, and the one person I would say who is kind of the inspiration for a lot of us here and one of the reasons the space exists is uh, Brock Pierce. Right. So, you know, I think a lot of us know Brock. Uh, we've known him for a while. And, uh, you know, he kind of jumped on this, Bitcoin blockchain bandwagon before any of us and really just, just pounded the table and kind of made it happen. And so, yeah, he was, he was preaching Bitcoin, uh, back before it was cool. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And, uh, so I, I would signal out, you know, he, he is really one of the people behind, uh, EOS, uh, his wife, his now wife, uh, right. Rose, Rose and the sensei team are doing some really interesting things. I think. Yeah, they're awesome. Uh, so, you know, there's there's a whole number of people, and it's all new, right? Because we did this uh, tech event at our offices about a, a little over a year ago, and it was really hard to find anybody doing anything in the blockchain. You know, there was, there was a few people, but there wasn't a lot of companies. And now it seems that, you know, you throw a stone and, you know, uh, 
you, anywhere from 20 feet away from Rose Cafe in Venice, there's you know at least 10, 10 blockchain companies being started. So, you know, this stuff's it's you almost can't keep track of it anymore. There's so much of it. Uh, yeah, we're really in a crypto beach now. We are. It is crypto beach. <laughs> I mean, there's there's literally thousands of projects being started right now. Um, so, look, it's going to be a really interesting 12 months. D10E, that's a yeah. conference that that I just came from in San Francisco. Well, guess who set that up? Brock Pierce, you know. Yeah, he and he's, that, he's been traveling the world for many years talking about it. His talks are amazing. Some of them are on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, if, if you guys wanted to check them out, Google Brock Pierce on YouTube and, and you'll see. Uh, but yeah, he's he's been talking about how this is the future for a while now. And now all these things are happening and this whole ecosystem has taken place. Around I wish I would listened to him a little earlier. Let's circle back to the website. If people want to find more out about WorkCoin, uh, how can they find you guys online? Yeah, so you can go to our website at WorkCoin.net and then you can check out, check out our Telegram. Uh, what was the link address? It's uh, t.me slash WorkCoin. Is, is that on the website as well? Yeah, it's yeah, on our website. You can, so get you on can the click website. that button or link on the website yep. and it opens it in Telegram. Uh, which is a, if you don't have Telegram, should probably get it because that's a very popular chat program uh, where most cryptocurrency people tend to hang out. Uh, cool. So you guys have the Telegram channel, you have the website, and then how can people get in touch with you guys uh, personally or directly, Corey? Like, so you can go to the website and then find me on there. I'm part of the team and then you can connect with me on LinkedIn or you can just email me. Yeah. So all of okay, our stuff yeah. is just pretty transparent on the website. You can just Every single person who's on there has their LinkedIn and you can email them. All right. So Fred, you too, you're, you're on the website yep. under the team. Yep. You got your My LinkedIn, LinkedIn and contact info. Me. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, thank you guys very much for coming on the show. All right. And, thanks for uh, having us. Thanks everyone at home for listening. Have a great weekend. To join in the conversation and chat with me and other crypto enthusiasts, check out the crypto channel on the We Are LA Tech private Slack at wearelatech.com slash VIP. Yes, you can now get your We Are LA Tech tea. You've all been asking for it. Just go to wearelatech.com slash shop to be a part of the movement to make Los Angeles the top city in the world for tech. Yes, we are number three. Let's get it to number one. Wearelatech.com slash shop represent. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are not the opinions of We Are LA Tech or their participants and are subject to change. The content of the show, the videos, website, and all related works are provided for entertainment purposes only. It is not intended to be, nor does it constitute financial investment or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to investing, finances, trading, or anything else based on this content without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of bitcoins and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to buy, sell, or trade any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent financial advisor. Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes.